Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. So today I want to talk to you a little bit about why we believe Jesus is a big deal and what does God have to do with you and what does you have to do with God? Because I hear all the time people say, you know, well, I know there's like a supreme being. I know there's something. I know something holds it all together. And and, but yet I I don't really know how I put all that together. Well, today I want to try to take Genesis to the book of the Revelation and do it in 18 minutes. All right. Sound fair? And so we're going to hit a few highlights along the way. First, I want to stop start with this concept. In the very beginning of the Bible, it says this in the beginning, God. Okay, now let's just stop right there. In the beginning, God. Now to truly understand this God that the scripture's talking about, we have to understand that it is one God, but it's, there are three parts to this God. So we have God the Father. This is like, you, you imagine the, the God with the flowing hair and sitting there in the lightning bolt. Okay, that God the Father. And then we have God the Son that we know as Jesus. All right, then we have God the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit that we know is a gift that Jesus lives with us. And so we have these three parts of God, but one God. So imagine Imagine it being like an apple. Apple, you got skin, you got meat, you got a core. One apple, you got three parts. You got one God, three parts. And in the beginning, God, and then what does it say? Created the heavens and the earth. All right, now, in doing so, he then went on and he made man, and he, he got done with his creation of the world, and he, then he made man, and he said, okay, that, that's good. When he looked at the creation of the world, he looked at man, he said, that's really good. And then, before he had to deal with anything else, God dealt with one thing. He dealt with this thing called aloneness. And so, what happens is, uh, there's Adam, and he's by his lonesome in, in the Garden of, of, of Eden. He's got nobody to wear him out about getting up to hang a picture in the middle of the ball game. And so God looked and said, wow, he needs a partner. And so he created woman. And then from that point on, we now have brains in the world. And thank you, ladies, for bringing all that. We are so grateful for you. <laughs> Don't be getting all excited yet. Your turn's coming. Now... Because shortly thereafter, she says, oh, wow, even though God says don't eat of this apple because this is the one rule you have, I mean, come on now, Adam, really, don't you want to bite? And of course, she, she leads him there because she has magical, mystical powers called being beautiful. Guys, ball players, I want you to remember this. When you are scared to death, when your knees are shaking, when you want to wet your britches because you have planned purposefully how you're going to talk to that one girl, you're dying to ask out, and you just know that when you open your mouth, the only thing we're going to hear is, ah, remember this, flowers always have flowers. You know what my dad said when I, when I, when I, when I, I asked a young lady out on a date one time? He said, son, you need to take flowers. I said, why, Dad? You ain't much to look at, son. You need flowers. (laughs) I had a really encouraging dad and truthful dad. So, guys, just just chalk. That's a free one for you, all right? So, God creates everything, but we know it's three pieces of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And in the beginning, God created, and so we see from there. Now, you may say, well, I'm an atheist. Okay, cool. Are you an honest atheist or are you a dishonest atheist? You say, well, I'm an honest atheist. Okay, well, then you would agree then being an honest atheist that let's just say you know half of everything in the world there is to know. I'm gonna give you the benefit out. You say, no, Chuck, I don't know half of all known knowledge. Sorry, I'm gonna give you credit. You, you know half of all known knowledge in the world. Here's my question as an honest atheist. All right, you ready? 
in the part that you don't know about, is it possible God exists? Well, yeah, that's possible, Chuck, of course. So, so now you're not an atheist. Now you're an agnostic, right? So then let me ask you a question. Are you an honest agnostic or a dishonest agnostic? Are you with me? And we can keep going. It reminds me of the story of uh, an atheist who'd been really just like a profound atheist. I mean, this guy was like anti-Jesus everything, right? But he decides he's going to take up hiking, kind of like me and Benj do, in the North Georgia mountains. He's by himself, and, you know, he's got his walking sticks, he's got his backpack, you know, and he's looking around, and he's marveled at all how Mother Nature has accidentally created the rivers and accidentally created the trees and accidentally created the color of the leaves on the trees. And, and he's, just, um, he's just fascinating by how all those accidents happened. And he hears this rustle in, in the bushes behind him, and he turns around, and it's a seven-foot bear. And this bear is up on his hind legs and he's starting to growl. So he does what the rest of us would do. Threw the pack off, dropped the walking sticks, and he starts running. He's looking behind him, looking for the bear. Eventually, he looks back a second time and he falls splat on the ground. And when he's trying to get up, he turns around and there's the bear standing right over him. And at that moment, the atheist goes, oh my God. And the river stopped and the wind stopped blowing. And a light shone down on this man. And the voice from heaven said, am I to understand now that you're a believer and you're ready to walk with me, God, your creator? After all these years where you've said that I don't even exist, now you call on my name. And the guy says, well, you know, you have a point there. He said, it would, it would be pretty bad if I were to just at my only moment of need call on you. So Rather than me being a believer, why don't you turn the bear into a believer? And so the light came off the man, the river started running, the wind started blowing again, the bear brought his paws down, the bear got down on his knees, the bear looked over and licked the man on his cheek and then said, dear Lord, thank you for this meal you provided for me. <laughs> Come on, that's funny. You knew there's no way a preacher's going through all that without a punchline, right? I mean, you knew it was coming, and you still laughed. Thank you. I appreciate a little pity laugh every now and then. But, you know, I really believe that the Scriptures tell us, the Bible says that Jesus is a big deal in creation. You see, we have this thought that you have this Old Testament. You know, it starts with Genesis you know, and it comes all the way through. And then we have the beginning of the New Testament in Matthew. And so from Matthew on, we kind of have the story of Jesus, but Jesus is kind of non-existent back over here, but that's not true. What we find is that in the beginning, God. Now we know God created all things. Now, let me just stop and say, if, if you're here today and you'd say, well, you know, Chuck, I believe in a Big Bang Theory. Cool, totally cool, all right? You're here and you say, well, Chuck, I, I don't know if God created earth in six literal 24 hours not. Totally cool, all right? The point I want to hear you, that's, that's a message for another day. The point I want you to hear is that God, in his totality, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, created everything. Now, you could say, well, Chuck, I believe he took 130 million years for that to happen. Okay. Well, Chuck, I believe it was six literal 24-hour days. Got you. The point I want you to hear today is that God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if you move faster over to the New Testament, the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are the biography of Jesus. They tell the story of how Jesus came, how Jesus lived, 
how Jesus ministered, how Jesus died, how Jesus was buried, and how Jesus rose again from the dead. This is the story in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But John, as his words are inspired from God, and he pens these words, at the beginning of his story of Jesus, it says this. In the beginning, sound familiar? Genesis 1, in the beginning. John 1, in the beginning, was the word. Now, if we're not careful, we're going to get hung up on this, and we don't get what is the word. When you read this text, here's what you could literally say. In the beginning was Jesus. Because the word here for word is Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. And the word, Jesus, was with God. But listen to this. And the word, Jesus, was God. So we know that in the beginning, there was Jesus. And Jesus wasn't just a good man. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a rabbi. We know that he is part of God because what we know is Jesus is fully God because he was at the beginning and the end. He is the alpha and the omega. What we know if we work from Genesis to the book of the Revelation, that in Genesis, we see the story and the creation of man. As we continue reading through the Old Testament, we see where man fell, we blew it and sin came into the world. We know after that, then we, God got so frustrated with his creation that, that he flooded the world. And then Noah and his guys, they went off and we kept going. And then the rest of the Old Testament starts telling the story of God's people who trust him for a while and then things get good and we stop trusting him and then everything falls apart and they return to God. And this happens over and over and over again through the Old Testament. And then when we get to the New Testament, Jesus shows up on the scene and says, listen, we're gonna put an end to all this silliness. Stop doing sacrifices and all that stuff. I'm going to come and I'm gonna fulfill every law that the Old Testament had. Every prophet, every law is gonna hang on Jesus and Jesus alone. And so when he's asked, what is the most important thing in life? Jesus says, love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and love other people like you're supposed to love yourself. And they're sitting there like you are right now, like, what else? There's got to be something. I mean, I, I got to go to church how many Sundays a year? I got, I got, what do I have to do? And Jesus says, nope. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love other people like you're supposed to love yourself. And when you do that, I'm going to fulfill every law that there ever was. You say, well, that sounds too easy. Well, it wasn't easy for him, but it is easy for us. But that's because we can know that Jesus was there in the creation. Jesus was there all through that Old Testament. And when Jesus came, God the Father looked at you guys, and here's what he said. I don't care how big of a mess you've made of your life or how big a mess home life may be or how bad your grades are or how many stupid decisions you may have made. I love you. You are my prime creation. See, here's what I want you to hear today. God in his totality, when he created us, he didn't look at us and say, oh, man, what a mess. The most cherished part of God's creation is you. This morning when you woke up, God the Father was waiting on you so that he could be with you all day long. And you say, well, Chuck, but he, he, he must not know what I did last night. Of course he does. You don't know what I did this past week. He does. And you say, well, Chuck, there's no way somebody could love me if they knew all of that about me, but he does. You can't do anything to make God not love you. And this is one of the most beautiful truths of creation. When creation was built, including you, all of creation was built to be pointed toward Jesus. And you say, well, why, Chuck? Why is that such a big deal? Well, listen to the rest of John 1. 
Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that's been made. John's saying there's nothing in the world, nothing ever, anytime, anywhere, there is nothing that has ever been made apart from Jesus. All of creation has been built to point you, to point us toward nature, toward him. All of creation was designed to point toward Jesus. In the book of the Hebrews in chapter one, here's what it says. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Now, what, 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 what we're really reading is Paul's writing this letter. And here's what he's saying. In the past, like in the Old Testament, God spoke through prophets who told all the things that God wanted to tell everybody. And the reason that was the case is that the prophets were kind of in the middle. God was here and we were here and there was somebody we had to go through to hear from God. But when Jesus shows up in the New Testament, he says upon his death, that middle part that the Bible refers to as a veil has been torn apart and now you don't need somebody to get to Jesus you, don't, you can go straight to Jesus. And when you do, you have a hotline to God because God the Father gave us Jesus the Son as the greatest gift in creation. In a few weeks, we'll start celebrating Christmas at Sugar Hill Church. And when we do, we'll be celebrating the birth of Jesus. And we will refer to the term Emmanuel, which means God with us. God the Father looked at our life, looked at everything in our life, good, bad, embarrassing, horrible, selfish, whatever it is. He looked at our entire life and he said, those folks are in a mess. My creation has gone wrong. And so he sent his son and he was born in this little manger in Bethlehem and it was Emmanuel. God had come to be with us. Skin had been put on the invisible God born in Bethlehem and lived this sinless, perfect life and then began healing people and caring for people and preaching and thousands upon thousands were touched and healed. And then one day, even though he didn't have to, he said, I will. And he willfully shed his blood and he died on a cross. And you say, well, Chuck, why would anybody do that for you? Because remember, he was there at creation and he will be back for his creation. And in the middle of that, he came for you. Jesus came in spite of everything you've ever done and said, I love you so much that there'll be no more of these sacrifices. There'll be no more prophets. There'll be no more of this need for he is gonna shed his blood and die on that cross for you that you might have forgiveness of your sin. And then he was buried in an old borrowed tomb and three days later, he rose from the grave and 40 days later, he went to heaven to sit by the right hand of the father. And you know what he says about that? For all that believe, he is creating a home for them in his heaven. You know why? Because that's where we're going to inevitably be. That's the goal, to get there. And the Bible says he was right in the heart of it. He was right in the creative part of it. Jesus is, in a, is a big deal in creation. Listen to the book of Colossians chapter one. He is the image of the invisible God. Isn't that awesome? Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. You know what that tells me? All of life is held together in the palm of Jesus. You know what I want? You know who I need in my foxhole when life gets tough? I need Jesus there. 
I don't know about you, but man, I'm telling you, I don't want to take any risk in this deal. I want to know that God the Father sent God the Son because he knew what a colossal mess up I'd made of my life and say, get that guy. And you know what happened in my life? I, I, I realized it was my sin that caused Jesus to die on a cross. The Jews didn't kill Jesus. The Romans didn't kill Jesus. I did. My sin, my selfishness, and oh, by the way, your sin and your selfishness put Jesus on that cross. And he died so that we might have forgiveness of everything we have done, are doing, or are yet to do. And all our part is, is to trust in him. If you're wondering about the part that Jesus plays in creation and how it has to do with you, well, think about the story of when Peter and Jesus walked on the water. There the disciples are. And they're in this boat in the Sea of Galilee. It's a rather shallow, almost oversized lake. And when a storm comes up, you can be far enough away where you cannot swim. And a storm came up and the waves are bashing the boat and the lightning's flashing and the thunder is rolling and the rain is pelting. And these guys are scared to death. And they look out over the horizon trying to see where shore might be. And they see this silhouette and they're wondering, it's a ghost. Now we're really in a mess. Look at us. We've made such a mess. We're in the middle of a storm. We're going to die. And now a ghost is going to come kill us. And Peter thinks, wait a minute, wait a minute. That, that's, that, I don't think that's ghost. And he calls out and he says, Jesus, is that you? And Jesus says, yeah, come on out. Join me. And don't you know Peter's thinking, mm-mm, not going to do it. People don't walk on water. It's no and then Jesus, come on, come on, Peter. So Peter takes one foot and he, he puts it over the side of the boat and he feels, I mean, it's kind of sturdy, you know? He puts his feet down, brings the other one around, goes around. He says, come on, man, I'm walking on water. He starts walking toward Jesus. Don't you know, at some point, Peter turned around, looked at his teammates and said, what's wrong with you people? I'm walking on water. I am totally bringing it. What is the deal? And the rest of them hang on to it. I ain't walking on water. Nope, nope. Peter, you're going to die. And Peter's like, walking on water. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die having walked on water. And then he starts thinking, which is always a problem for Peter. And he says, uh-oh. This, this is not possible. And he sinks. He loses all faith. And he sinks. We give Peter such a bad rap because he fell apart, but I want to give him, I want to give him mad kudos. He actually got out of the boat. He actually did it. Here's the better news. When he did sink and he did blow it, Jesus reached down with his right hand and pulled him up. But the most important thing is Jesus then took charge over all creation. And you know what he said to the world? Peace be still. The wind stopped and the lightning, and the rain, and the thunder, they stopped because they'd heard the Creator speak to His creation, and the creation responded in kind. And I believe Jesus says to us today, as part of His creation, respond like the winds and the waves. Hear my voice. I don't know about you, but the most difficult times in my life, and I've had some, man, I know, I know what it's like for a spouse to die in your arms. I, I know what it's like to stand in front of a bankruptcy jury. I know what it's like to lose everything you own. I know what it's like to preach your, your mom and your dad's funeral. I know what it's like. Man, I've seen my share of heartache and I've seen my share of sorrow, but I gotta tell you, I am so grateful that in every point I could hear these words, Chuck, 
I've got you. Peace be still. That's what I want for you guys. That's what I want for you. That Jesus in the middle of creation, God the Father being the perfect, wonderful, heavenly Father, looked at us with love and compassion and joy and said, Jesus, go save them. And you know, the greatest courage in the world, the, the greatest man, everything that you could ever imagine with the courage to faith, death for you and for me. Beaten, scourged, spat upon, a crown of thorns pressed down on his head, whipped beyond recognition, nailed to a cross, died, put in a borrowed tomb, and three days later, out. So that you can have life and you can have it more abundantly today and you can have it eternally forever. Can you imagine what the disciples thought? Man, I, I'm going to make a big deal about Jesus the rest of my life because when I'm in need, I can rest in him. I bet there's some folks here, you're just worn out this week, and you're just tired. And you've been going 100 miles an hour with your hair on fire, and nothing's going right. And you know what? You just need a place to rest. And this is what God the Father sent Jesus the Son to do for you to find rest in him. You know, my dad, he, uh, he wasn't much on dating advice. But I'll tell you one thing, dad was really good at it. Dad was really good at letting me know that God always was there and would always love me, that he was always there. He would always, he would never turn me away. That no matter what I did, I could never do anything to mess up the love of God in my life. And so God the Father said, do this. In the book of Hebrews, the scripture says, therefore, since the promise of entering into his rest still stands. In other words, that promise is good for you today. You need to find a place to rest. You need to find a haven to hide out in a storm. You need a place to be recharged, to be refueled, to find contentment and joy and fulfillment. The promise is that it's still there for you. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of this, for we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Listen, friend, God never asked you to take your brain and park it off to the side. I believe faith and science are hand in glove. When we trust the God of all creation, we will find that science supports the God of all creation. He has this offer that you can come rest in him and we can combine a heart that is renewed, a mind that is renewed, and we are together putting it with a heart and a mind that is filled with faith. And in that point, we find rest. Caught in a storm. You know what those disciples needed? Man, they needed an anchor, something that would hold them still. They were gonna die without an anchor. You know what Hebrews 6, 19 says? We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. You know what the writer's referring to? We have this Jesus as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Caught in a storm, what did they need? They needed a heavenly daddy that would look upon them in the middle of their greatest need and reach down and put his arms and say, I've got you. I've got you, I'm not gonna let anything happen to you, I've got you. A heavenly father that looked at them and said, I don't care what you've been through. I've got you. I love you. There's nothing you can do to make me not love you. I've got you. The other night we were with uh, my grandsons. 
we walked in the house and William, the oldest, who's just turned four, gets his big grin on his face and he calls me Pop and he starts running toward me and his hands are up, you know, and by the time he gets to me, he jumps and I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm 70 and he jumps like that, but I, I grabbed him and I held him and I said, hey, buddy. And you know the first thing William said to me? I love you, Pop. Listen, this is what this is what we do in the middle of our need. We run to God our Father and we jump up in his arms. And you know what he says? He doesn't look at you and say, man, you screwed up. He looks at us and says, I love you. Come on, jump in my arms. Let's, come on, I love you. I watched this video I put on my Four for Friday this past week that I thought might give you a picture of what I mean by, by a dad and his love. Go ahead and roll it, guys. Yo, comedian Michael Jr. here. As you know, I just flat out enjoy doing comedy. But one of the things I love way more than that is being a dad. Not too long ago, I'm going through some video footage and I run into this video of my youngest daughter being born. Now, of course, I was there, I actually took the video, but I had never really experienced it from this perspective before. Now look, we're in the hospital room, she's uh, sticky and she's baby and all that stuff and she's in the middle of crying. And then I speak up, I start talking to her and watch how she responds when she hears my voice. Okay, look, I'm right here. It's okay, it's okay. I'm right here, I'm right here. We're doing just fine. It's okay, it's okay, I'm right here. Right here, yeah, it's okay. It's okay, baby, it's okay. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> so check it. A few minutes later, uh, the nurse starts working on her, puts her pamper on her, and uh, I'm not saying anything, and she actually starts to cry again. Then I speak up, she hears my voice, and stops crying, like again. But I want you to notice what else happens after I tell her that I love her. Portland, it's okay. It's okay, it's good, it's good, it's good. I'm right here, I'm right here. I am right here. I love you, I love you. Love you. Yeah, I'm right here. I'm right here. It's okay. It's okay. That's just phenomenal. I'm like, whoa. Here's the thing. We'll always have times where we're not as comfortable, probably even to the point of tears, where life is just heavy. The key thing to do in those moments is to be still and listen for the Father's voice. Because he is trying to talk to you. And I can tell you what he wants you to know is that he loves you. All you got to do is open your eyes. Happy Father's Day. You see, every day is Father's Day when a heavenly father says, hey, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, whoa, I'm here. I'm here. I love you. I'm here. and you listen for that voice. And what I'd say to you today is, regardless of where your here is, God is saying to you, friend, I'm here. I love you. I sent Jesus for you. And when we recognize God the Father 
as the giver of life through God the Son, now we get to sit beside the Father and he makes us his kid. Maybe you didn't have a dad you knew. Maybe, maybe your, your folks went through divorce early and you, 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 things were funky when you were young. Maybe, maybe the dad you have is just not the perfect dad. Maybe, maybe your view of dads here on earth is just not all that perfect. Man, I'm grateful I had a great daddy. But if I could picture the most perfect dad on the planet and multiply that by a thousand, I wouldn't come near the goodness of God and the love that he has for us, his prized possession. And all he says is, I've made it all okay here, I'm here. Trust in my son and come live with me forever. I've got you. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.